Welcome into episode 9 of the Galloway Podcast. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Thursday, March 21st, folks, and that means one thing and one thing only. It's March Madness. College basketball season has reached its climax today. The tournament tips off, and it is truly the best time of the year. And so, of course, we're going to podcast about it. There's plenty to go around, plenty of talk. Patrick Keim is going to join the podcast former Auburn men's basketball player is going to kind of put us up to speed on the Auburn's men's, Auburn men's basketball team, tell us uh, an update there, give a little preview of the tournament as well as share some of his experiences from his college playing days. We're going to talk about Alabama uh, losing in the NIT on Wednesday night to Norfolk State, 80-79 to in overtime. We kind of summarize the Alabama basketball season in a couple of minutes. Uh And then we're going to, of course, do the highlight. We're going to go around Alabama athletics and kind of talk about some significant happenings and what's going on within the Alabama athletic department and some news as well and also talk um, about some baseball news, something that broke uh, Tuesday morning. And so episode nine of the Galloway podcast, uh, NCAA March Madness Bracketology Edition with William Galloway. Welcome in. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please tweet me there at WM underscore Galloway. And so let's get this show on the road. First things first, we're going to head to college basketball, talk about bracketology, some news in the college game. Um, First up, Will Wade got suspended from LSU This was on Friday, March 8th. You know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a podcast due to Alabama having spring break. And so uh, during that time, Will Wade was suspended indefinitely from LSU. Um, He declined to meet with university officials about comments he reportedly made in a wiretapped phone call with a federally convicted college hoops middleman. So Will Wade, in his second year as head coach, um, led the LSU Tigers to a successful SEC regular season. They were SEC regular season champs before being bested in the SEC tournament by Florida in the quarterfinals. They got that quarterfinal bye to the quarterfinals, lost to Florida 76-73. So LSU and Will Wade are um, now, he's not fired. He's he's still there, but he's he's suspended indefinitely. And LSU is in the tournament um, but they will not have their coach. They're going to play Yale. Uh, LSU is the three seed. Yale is the 14 seed. And that game is today at 1140. So tipping off here, uh, March Madness LSU on day one. I don't have them winning against Yale. I've got an upset there. But uh, that's the news from Will Wade. Also in the world of college basketball, Auburn wins the SEC tournament by 20 over the Tennessee Vols. Um, and the championship game featured Auburn and Tennessee, which both of those teams tied for first as last year's SEC regular season champions. Uh, and Auburn got the best of Tennessee this year in the tournament by 20 points in the championship game. So Auburn are Auburn Tigers, the SEC tournament champion, 2019. We'll talk about Pat with talk with Patrick Kahn about that Auburn team uh, here momentarily. Um, 
Florida, the biggest game for me in that SEC tournament was Florida beating LSU in the quarterfinals. Obviously, LSU without Will Wade. But uh, everybody thought, you know, there maybe LSU beat Florida recently, and uh, maybe they'll be fine without Will Wade. They were not. And that really leaves a lot of questions for me. That's why I've got Yale over LSU uh, in this first-round game today in March Madness. Um, and this is the Galloway Podcast, and so I'm going to give you an unsolicited look at my bracket. Let's cut straight to the Final Four. I've got Duke coming out of the East region. I've got four-seed Florida State coming out of the West region. So Duke and Florida State, I believe, will meet in the Final Four. In the South, I've got Kansas State coming out. Don't ask me why. I really don't know, and that is totally okay with me. Um, And in the Midwest region, I've got North Carolina coming out that one seed. So Kansas State playing North Carolina, Duke playing Florida State. In the championship, I've got Duke over Kansas State. Again, why I'm riding Kansas State all the way to the championship, I have no idea, folks. The only thing I can tell you, as John Rothstein would say, this is March. You never know what's going to happen. A 16 seed beat a one seed last year, and... uh, Again, this is March. It's crazy. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, here's here's my sleeper, folks. Texas Tech. I'm riding them to the Elite Eight. I'm hearing some good things about them. They've got a very favorable draw. That West region doesn't look too great. Um, with Gonzaga as that one seed, Michigan as the two. Here's something about Texas Tech. Their opponents' points per game, they hold their opponents to just 59.3 points. Um, their BPI rank is 9. Uh, they went 14-4 and four in conference play and averaged 73.1 points per game. Another thing, uh, the Wofford Terriers, a seven seed. Um, I've got them beating Seton Hall out in the Midwest. Uh, then that seven versus ten game, that is also today, this Thursday. Uh, but I'll tell you what, folks, Wofford has not lost since December 19th. They have 20 straight wins. I'm not saying they're going to beat Kentucky in that second round. They're not even guaranteed to beat Seton Hall in this first game, but uh, drink the Wofford tea, everybody. I'm telling you, because Wofford has not lost a game in in 2021 games, whatever the math is there. So ride the Wofford Terriers. Uh, It's March Madness. I'm so excited, as you can tell. It is truly the best weekend in sports Um, or tied with the Masters, I'll say, but uh, it's March, and that's really all I can say. You know, I'm so excited. There's basketball on from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and it does not stop. There's buzzer beaters. There's highlight dunks. There's teams you've never heard of, players you've never heard of with amazing stories, and uh, this is truly one of the best times of the year, and so it's going to be a great weekend. Um, Call in sick for work. Do whatever you have to do and watch all this basketball because it's going to be great. Um, You know what was not great is Alabama basketball, and we're going to wait until after the Patrick Kime interview to talk about Alabama and the NIT. However, what is great was the interview I just had with Patrick Kime, and so let's shoot now to this pre-recorded interview with Patrick Kime here on Episode 9 of the Galloway Podcast to talk about Auburn basketball and some of Patrick's experiences. Joining the Galloway Podcast now here on Episode 9 is former Auburn men's basketball player Patrick Kime. Patrick is currently the student pastor at Highlands uh, down in Auburn as well as one of the chaplains for the Auburn men's basketball team. Patrick, thanks for joining the podcast. How are you? I'm good, man. How about you? Thanks for letting me be on this. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's March Madness, and uh, your Auburn Tigers have been. Yeah. They had a great week last week in the SEC tournament, and uh, they're on today for um, the big dance. What do you think about their chances? 
Man, they've uh, they've been playing well for the past couple of weeks. I tell you what, you know, ever since um, you know, I hate to say it, but ever since the Alabama game, just winning on the road um, and and you know, battling through that just adversity game, just not starting well, and you know, I, I was there. I was actually at that game, and there was just a a, a switch that was flipped inside of them um, that kind of went back to the the non conference mentality that they had when they were playing Duke and running with some of the best teams in the country, um, and so they're you know. For the past couple of weeks, they're playing their best basketball they've had all year, and so um, just to see that is is exciting to see. Um, and so, to answer your question, my man, the the sky's the limit for them. They're they're a dangerous team. They're a team you don't want to see um, towards the end of the year. They weren't. I mean, yes, they're getting up thirty five threes a game, but you. I mean, towards the end, they are getting points in the paint, which in the tournament you need because there's going to be a game when those shots are not falling. And so the question really is, is are, are they going to be able to uh, win when the um, the rim's a little bit smaller, so to speak? But I tell you what, you know, towards the end of the year, they, they really showed that they can uh, not just rely on that, but their defense is what play. I mean, their defense is phenomenal right now. And so uh, their effort and energy is off the chart. So I'm excited to see how far they can go. Yeah, they've got a pretty favorable draw here in the tournament. They're playing New Mexico State um, yep. today, I believe. Yeah, today yeah. at 1.30 uh, in Salt Lake City. Auburn is a 5 seed. They're at 26-9. and nine. New Mexico State is 30-4. and four. They're a 12 yep. seed. Um, and you mentioned those, those big men. Uh, one thing about New Mexico State is that they are really good. Um, they're one of the nation's leaders in offensive rebounds. And so it'll be a good yeah. test for Auburn to see if they can uh, re- really get big with Okiki and Wiley. Uh, right. But what do, you, what do you see in this matchup? First, sure, you know, they, they will uh, dominate the offensive glass, so to speak. We're running the ball anyway, so it's one of those things where, you know, rebounding, yes, are important, and second-chance points are very valuable. But uh, the way we're, we're going to play, obviously their strength is offensive rebound. Our strength is we're going to get the ball and go. And so, um, you know, what I see is just, to be honest, is I see a track meet tonight, um, or today at least, and um, – you know, I, I see this being, I see this being a tough test as it pertains to jitters, um, but you know, I, I see it being relatively close for the first half, and uh, I see the veteran uh, guys like Malik and Horace and Bryce who have been leading this team so well as seniors. I see them uh, remembering last year when we played um, Coastal uh, early and um, just having to grind through that. Like I believe that we'll do the same this year. So um, I'm excited to see uh, how they play. Yeah, and Auburn's in the tournament again this year. Patrick, talk to me about um, what it's like as a player and as a, as a college student to get the opportunity to go and play in the, this just elite March Madness tournament. What was it like for you uh, and your experience and, and the team as well? Yeah, so um, March Madness is one of those tournaments where it's one of those experiences you can't really describe to other people. Um, it is on a different level as it pertains to um, – from everything to when you leave your dorm room, you know, to go to practice and head the, you know, head wherever you're going for the game to the practice gym and uh, how everything's set up. Like 
just everybody gets like all this amount of like, I know it sounds dumb, but every time you step into a building, there's some sort of gift or some sort of recognition to who you are. And so honestly, it's, it's one of those very unique experiences for, for all the time you put in from a year to year to be able to play in that tournament. Um, it's very special. And it's, it's one of those things where, uh, fans are there. Um, just, it's a different level of hype. And to be honest, that's probably why you see a lot of upsets early on is because up to game time there is a lot going on and it's a very sporadic hectic um you're in a different town um you know coaches and you have media coming in your locker room all the time and uh you have all these different uh events you got to attend and all this stuff that uh, a lot of times if, if you're maybe a smaller school or maybe just um even in the SEC team, like uh, it's just different, and so uh, the teams that handle it well are always the teams that I feel like have the most success in the tournament, and not getting caught up too much in the spotlight. So it's one of my—I mean, I tell you what, like playing four years, first three years not going so well, to end my senior year by going to the tournament was one of the most um, refreshing and rewarding things that could have happened. So the tournament's—it's it, there's nothing like it. Auburn is going to play New Mexico State uh, today at 1.30 in the NCAA tournament March Madness, which is truly, I believe, one of the best tournaments. Uh, we're talking with Patrick yeah. Kime here on the Galloway Podcast. Patrick is currently the student pastor at Highlands Church in Auburn and played for Bruce Pearl for four years. Patrick, talk about Coach Pearl and kind of what he's done with that Auburn program. Uh, and You've really been there since the start, and you've seen it. You're yeah. still around the program. Um, just what do you see in Coach Pearl and how he's been able to bring success now in his fifth year to Auburn and, and years prior? Sure, absolutely. i tell you what, uh, Bruce Pearl is a, a world-class visionary. What I mean by that is um, there's very few people in the world that can um, step into maybe a broken situation and over the course of three, four years be persistent enough to when things aren't going the way that maybe he thought planned, still having the confidence, positivity, and motivation to keep going. Um, and I tell you what, Bruce has done that well. Um, uh, Bruce, is, Bruce is a lot of energy. You, you, don't want, you don't know what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis and a day-to-day basis in practice, but one thing is very true about Bruce is he's loyal to a fault. And because of that, he's a player's coach. And so what he's done is he's rallied the community. The community loves him, um, which has taken so much pressure off the team they're performing and allowing them to just play. And he's rallied the team. Um, you know, he stepped in and the culture of our locker room was was not great, to, to say the least. And um, for him to be able to rally a team, you know, in such a short time, um, you know, this generation's the one and done generation with basketball. And, right. Uh, for for Bruce to not rely on the one and dones or a big time recruit to come in and change the program is is very unique, man. For 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 a season, um, and for uh, just a basketball program because every team nowadays is flipped um, by a player coming in, changing the program for a year, and then that team being better. We we didn't have that. We just had a bunch of players coming together as one as a unit um, and really flipping this program around. So Bruce has done a job that I may be biased, but no one else could have done. So it's, it's, yeah, that's, a that's a, it's a very fair statement. Um, yeah. And he's got, like you said earlier, he's got Auburn playing at the right time. I mean, 
right. you look at what he was able to accomplish in the SEC tournament, let's go back and talk about that for a second. Sure. Won four games in four days, beating Missouri, South Carolina, Florida, and then a 20-point win over Tennessee. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of people, you know, Auburn was very highly ranked at the beginning of the year, hit a, sure. hit a little streak, um, but they're where they need to be right now. Just talk about kind of their run in the SEC tournament and how that really uh, pushes them into gear as they play today in the first round of March Madness. Yeah, I, I tell you what, every team in uh, college basketball goes through a lull, um, and it's the team that is the most cohesive and it's the team that has the best leadership that can take the adversity moments like those two or three weeks, I maybe say late February, where people thought Auburn was done. Um, every team has that kind of moment where it's like, oh, I don't know if they can get out of this, but uh, because of the leadership and the unity that our team has, um, they were able to fight through it and, and, like you say, play their best basketball. And so, you know, over the SEC tournament, man, uh, what I saw is, I, personally, I just saw a team that wanted it more. And not out of desperation to make the tournament, not out of that, but out of genuine, like, one, appreciation for, for each other. Um, teams can fight for a result, um, but what Auburn's doing right now is, is they're playing because they love the guy the next next to them. Um, which is rare to see in sports world. Um, and to be honest, that desperation, because you love each other more on the court, um, is one of those things that is hard to replicate. And so, uh, yeah, sure, we blew Tennessee out. We couldn't miss a shot. But at the same time, you know, you're talking about one of the most uh, aggressive and hard-nosed team. And, and Auburn just out-effort them. Like, above the shot total, above the percentage and the statistics, like, what I saw that game is I saw a team bowing down um, to an Auburn team that just wanted it more. And so, to me, what I see is Auburn wants it more, sure, out of the desire and the competitiveness to win, but the unity among the team uh, is one of those things where um, you'll never see it in a successful team, but you always see it when a team is broken. Um, and so, I always like shouting out the fact that how much, uh, how well they play together, so... That whole SEC run, I tell you what, was um, something special to see. Like, even in the midst of the moments where they thought, like, like, that Missouri game got tight there for a little bit. But their ability to trust one another. Like, Jared doesn't make some of those shots if deep down in his side he knows that Bryce is going to be mad that he took it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, be that's fair. And, because, and because Jared knows my team's got my back, he can play the way he's called to play. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's been cool to watch, man. Yeah, they're, they're really fun to watch. And I, I've told a lot of people... Um, because I know you well, I know Will McCoy, um, the Alabama-Auburn basketball rivalry for me is just a little bit different than yeah. uh, the football rivalry because it, you know, it is two different sports and two different sure. feels, um, but because I have you know, respect for the guys that play on that Auburn team because I know them, um, and I don't know any Auburn football players, but uh, sure. it, it's, it's a little bit different as coming it from an different. Alabama fan perspective. Um, yeah. But Patrick... Talking with Patrick Kime here on the Galloway Podcast, former Auburn basketball player. Uh, we were talking about the tournament uh, and your experience last year, but in your four years, uh, if you set apart the tournament, what was your what were some of your other favorite memories you had? Um, because you were, you know, a lifeline to that basketball team and the way that you related to everybody and the yeah. way that you connected. Um, and just talk about, you know, any special memories you have from playing for the Auburn Tigers for four years. Man. Um, once every four years, I'm pretty sure a college team is allowed to take an international trip. And so right before, which I think is one of the keys to why we were so successful last year, right before we went, um, came back to school my senior year, we went to Italy 
and did a European tour um, and played just six to seven games over there, traveled around different areas. And it was, it's one of those things where when you're playing basketball, you're playing any collegiate sport, you're so locked in on developing your craft and trying to win games that very few times do you look up and actually get to see the person in front of you. What I mean by that is like actually have a slow down, like real conversation with them. And so to be able to go to Italy and to remove the cultural just like norm of how to live a life and just be able to go to somewhere where you don't know anybody uh, was one of the more appreciative moments I had on this team because it took everything out of perspective of like, I'm here to win, you're here to win. Like that's, that's kind of how college sports are. Like right. even though it's an amateur sport, the pressure of winning is serious. And a lot of times through that pressure, it can push people away from really getting to know each other one-on-one. And so, um, I'd say honestly, the, 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 uh, NCA or the Italy trip was one of my favorites cause it just kind of dulled everything down. Um, and then, you know, you're going to hate for me to say it, but, um, well first, uh, one of my favorite moments was definitely my freshman year in the SEC tournament. We made a really big run. Um, and man, that team had no right to be in the final four of the SEC tournament. And, um, you know, Jordan Granger got ejected from a game, couldn't play the game before. Simeon Bowers uh, violated some NCAA rules and couldn't play. And uh, People were hurt, and we didn't have a team, and we're going up against arguably one of the better um, NCAA basketball teams with Carl Anthony Towns, the Harrison Twins. Yeah. Uh, they went undefeated. and You know, we're in the game battling with them, um, obviously end up losing. But to be able to get in the game – uh, freshman year, you know, freshman year is a tough year because you come in as the man from Mountain Brook thinking like you're going to come and, you know, get some good minutes at Auburn, but things don't go the way you want them to. So to be able to get in against Kentucky in that moment, to be able to hit a shot over uh, at the time was Dakari Johnson and Marquise Lee um, was, was honestly a really cool moment as well as obviously growing up in Mountain Brook, which is ridiculous predominantly Bama culture um, to be able to hit a, a couple big shots against big shot. them yeah, absolutely. Um, is, uh, you know, is fun. So uh, as well as guarding Colin Sexton, everybody jokes around like you didn't foul him. Uh, last year, I, you know, yeah. I kinda, <laughs> we call it media minutes right before the media timeouts at mm-hmm. 16, 12, and 8. I'd always go in. Uh, and so they put me in, I think it was at the eight one and, uh, I got to guard him for a little bit, which was, which was always a good time. So. And if, if I remember correctly, you stripped him, right? And all the Bama yeah, fans wanted a foul and, I stripped uh, it, and the ball was under his legs. And so I, I went, I dove on the ball, but I guess when I was going down, I, I hit his ankle or something. I don't know. I talked to the ref <laughs> and, smiling. and all the Bama fans are like, you don't touch our Colin Sexton. Yeah, Who is that yeah, guy? And I'm like, yeah, yo, that's Patrick Kine. That was not a foul. I've seen him do that a thousand times. Yeah. So um, it is what it is, man. So we're talking with Patrick Kime on the Galloway Podcast. Patrick, a couple more questions. Sure. Um, Britton Johnson is is yeah. one of the walk-ons here at Alabama. Um, like you, he played varsity basketball at Mountain Brook for Coach Bucky McMillan. But um, I've talked with him about some of his experiences and what it's like in the day-to-day. But for the listeners on the podcast, can you just kind of walk us through uh, briefly what it's like to be a walk-on and how that is a different mentality um, than being the guy in high school and also um, just like the servant leadership that you had mm-hmm. at Auburn. Can you talk about that? For sure. I think I think the word that comes to mind to me for a walk-on is your job isn't to produce things, your job is to prepare. Um, so what I mean that is is your job is when, when on the court, let's say, um, your job is to do all things and think all things of if they're in the game, what are they going to need to know? 
Um, what are they going to need to see? How are they going to need to play? So, like, depending on the team, I'd have to play completely different. If it's a walk-up team, um, like a Texas A&M, like, I'm playing very slow ball, which, well, you know, I, that, that's, like, the worst thing. That is not your speed. No, so <laughs> uh, you, go to, you go to play a Florida, you got to come off a lot of ball screens, so I'm working a lot off the ball. Um, you know, you're studying a lot of film to see, like, okay, in practice, I'm playing uh, Tyler Eulis. You know, how does he play? How, how, how am I supposed to replicate him to the best of my ability? And so, uh, one, it's challenging because you, you got to develop a lot of skill uh, in areas that maybe you've never used growing up in high school. And so, um, you know, you, you got guys that, like, I'm trying to think of my four years. You got guys that are just like all things scoring. Those are my, those are those. <laughs> we always joke as walk-ons like there's some practices you don't want to be a part of because all you're gonna do is play defense right because they're a really good defensive team but then there's those practices where you play as like a John Morant so to speak uh-huh. and you and just get guy. to go get a bucket and so like all you're doing in practice is just jacking shots um and those are uh, those are amazing I'm not gonna lie so like when we do like those small town expedition games where we're playing some team from up north and it's just a bunch of white kids that shoot threes those practices we like lick our chops oh yeah you're you're getting your money's worth right there yeah you're just pulling from everywhere so uh i guess for for the for the daily fan to understand a walk-on man it's it's humbling uh because you know you People say you you walk around on campus and you're wearing the merch. I mean, not merch. You're wearing the the spear pack and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. And they're like, you play basketball. You're you're, you're on like, the yeah. They look you head to toe, and so I mean, I'm gonna be honest, man. It's I'm I'm grateful for it because it took a lot of the pride out of my life of being the man, so to speak, and being able to be like, all right, you know, how can I just serve people? Um, which, to be honest, is one of the greatest traits you can have going into the real world because if it's about you your whole life, you're gonna be miserable. Um, and so, man, I'm, I'm grateful for it, being a walk-on, and as well as being a scholarship athlete at the end of the year. made me appreciate my senior year way much more because of the, um, the work I had to put in um, to get to that place of a scholarship player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned wearing the spirit pack, and uh, I remember Britton Johnson came, came to Alabama. He's currently a freshman, and uh, in the fall, he's working to get that last walk-on spot, and he gets it. And he's telling people, he's like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the basketball team. And they're like, okay, so are you a manager? Or, like, <laughs> how does this work out? You're the 6'3 white guy and you're a lefty yeah. shooter. Like, and he goes, like, no, I'm actually uh, number 21 on the basketball team. And people are like, oh, that's really cool. And he gets that's minutes right. versus Ole Miss and stuff. But, Patrick, last question here. It is, uh, it is March Madness, and sure. you did play at Auburn. So tell me about your bracket and, uh, sure, how, A, how far you have Auburn going, and, uh, and B, who's your champion? Right. I have multiple brackets. I mean, of course, as a player, I got one where Auburn's going all the way. Um, but, um, you know, uh, for for majority of them, um, to me, I feel like coaching culture in March Madness is huge. Um, and uh, not history tends to repeat itself, but there's notorious coaches out there that always do very, very well in the tournament. I mean, obviously, it's March Madness, so nothing is solidified, but for me, um, I feel like UNC is a uh, – Roy Williams is a guy that for some reason always does maybe better than expected um, as, a, as a coach. And so I think um, for me, I have Auburn in uh, a lot of my brackets going 
to the UNC game, and it's 50-50. Some of them I haven't beat them, some of them I don't. But um, for me, I have UNC going. Duke, I have going, but for some reason, Duke has always fallen short of their expectation yeah. most of the years. So I do have them leave, losing early. I'm pretty sure it's to Michigan um, in some brackets, just because uh, even though everybody in media and every analyst says they're going all the way, like for some reason, there's always a hiccup somewhere along the road for them. You look at Mercer um, a couple of years ago, and yeah, I think they exactly. lost Mercer. And then they lost to, what was the team? It was a brown-colored team. Um, uh, I forget the name. Um, but anyway, they've always had kind of an early exit for some for, for some reason. So, um, to be honest, as well as freshmen, freshman teams have rarely done very, very good in the tournament. It's normally those senior, more established teams. And so, um, yeah, I'd say them. I'd say them. they're a team that I'm watching, uh, UNC. And, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how Tennessee bounces back because I felt like Tennessee towards the end of the year was just kind of holding on, um, kind of like Auburn was last year, uh, wire to wire, you know, trying to win a tournament or championship. And then towards the end of the year, you know, you lose to Auburn at the end, which deflates you from the whole goal of winning. And so I'm very intrigued to see how well they play. Do they play Tennessee basketball of February or do they play Tennessee basketball the past couple weeks? So, um, you know, I think Kentucky's got a chance. I think they're playing well. Again, they're young, so I'm very intrigued to see how well they play. Cal Perry's never been an amazing March Madness um, coach. I mean, we're talking they've been how many one seeds, and yet they can't get past the Sweet 16 yeah. a lot. So, um uh, again, this year I feel like there's no dominant, dominant team. I know everybody thinks Duke is, but um, you know Those, they're all freshmen. They haven't been in this tournament right. before. Exactly. So, uh, and like I said, this tournament's different than anything. So, throw out all experience. This is this is brute basketball here. Yeah. So, um, to answer your question, man, I, it's for me. There's no like number one team. I, I don't think Gonzaga is amazing. Um, I know people give them a lot of a lot of hype, and for some reason Virginia never translates. Even though their game is defense and lock up, for some reason I feel like they always get an early exit as well. So, again, the one seeds I'm kind of up in the air about. I'd say UNC and Duke make the most sense, but um, I could agree. Be wrong. I've I've got a couple sleepers, and uh, those being out of the West region, Florida State and Texas yes. Tech, the the four and the three I like seed. Both of them. Um, I've got them in my elite eight. Um, this, this, you can call me foolish for this, but I've got Syracuse um, in the second round over Gonzaga in that round of thirty-two. So, um, some some bold picks there. But anyways, Patrick, thanks so much for joining, and yeah. uh, best of luck to Auburn, and thanks for really sharing all your experiences and uh, Auburn insight on the podcast. Yeah, for sure, my man. It's it's my pleasure. Glad I could do this for you, man. All right, Patrick. So thanks again to Patrick Kive for providing some insight on the Auburn Tigers and uh, their tournament run that they've got coming up starting today on this Thursday, uh, March 21st. It's March Madness, folks. And uh, you know what else was madness was that Alabama game last night. I'll tell you what, Alabama fell to Norfolk State 80-79 to in the first round of the NIT. Alabama was given a bye as – or not a bye. They were, excuse me. They were given the one seed as they were the – one of the first four teams out of the tournament, so they're given that automatic one seed uh, in the NIT along with three other schools, and they hosted Norfolk State. Alabama was a 16-point favorite, and they lost by one in overtime, finished the season 18-16, and 16, um, and it was, 
I, I don't I don't really know what to say about the game. Watching it, being there in person, there were two thousand and eighty six fans, uh, which is just I don't I, I think there were more people at Tide Tip Off uh, back in October at the beginning of the year. But obviously, the NIT is one of those tournaments. As if you're watching as a fan, you're saying it, you know it's you don't want to be there. You you don't want your team to be there. Um, and it's disappointing because you're not in the tournament. But if, if you're a fan of your team, you should support your team through and through. And you should go and you should cheer and support them. Um, but the the fans didn't show up. Uh, and the fans that were there were loud. But, I mean, when you're missing 13,000 seats, when you have 13,000 empty seats in your 15,000-seat coliseum, uh, that's not a great look at all. The players uh, – were not playing to their full potential. A lot of times, it was it was very sloppy play from Alabama. Uh, the speed of the game was was not where it's been in conference play, and uh, it just it just didn't look it looked like Alabama was sleepwalking at a lot of points, and especially down the stretch when they had opportunities to make plays and hit shots. Um, it just it looked a little slow, and it was it was disappointing because you could kind of tell that oh it's this is not going to end well for Alabama, uh, and to lose to Norfolk State, who I think is um, 265th in Ken Palm rankings when Alabama was technically, I guess, 70th after being one of the first four teams out uh, of the NCAA tournament is just not a great look at all. Um, losing that game was was not, not a good way to end your season. You never want to end your season on a loss, but you definitely don't want to end your season on a loss as the number one seed in the NIT, losing to Norfolk State at home by one in overtime, a game you easily could have won if you showed up uh, and and gave 100%, 100% of the time, which I don't think Alabama did. Um, but, you know, here we are. Alabama is, is their season's over. March Madness officially starts today. And, uh, you know, Auburn – as we just talked with Patrick on the podcast, Auburn's doing one thing out in Salt Lake City while Alabama is is stuck at home twiddling their fingers because they got bested in the in the NIT last night. I mean, what what do you do? Um, Coach Avery Johnson in his press conference last night mentioned that he talked with Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne for an hour on Saturday about uh, his future at Alabama, and he, Coach, Johnson, Coach Avery mentioned that he, you know, loves Alabama, wants to be here, uh, but ultimately that decision is up to Greg Byrne, uh, athletic director Greg Byrne here at Alabama. We're going to see what's going to happen. If there's any change that's going to be made, it's probably going to be made in the near future. Um, Alabama is still on five-star power forward Trendon Watford's list. Uh, of course, Duke is knocking at the door. Everyone wonders what's going to happen uh, with Watford. Well, if he gets that Duke offer, I bet he goes there. But you never know if, if Coach Johnson uh, is relieved of his duties. We don't know, um, you know, if that if there's any effect of bringing in another coach that could grab Watford at the last minute. Um, but at this point in the game, as for as far as what I think, I think Trendon will will go to Duke. He'll get that Duke offer. Um, and as to who is going to be the next Alabama basketball coach, is not for me to say. I'm not the athletic director, um, and so we'll see. But what's going to happen with the future of the program, you know, is all is all up in the air right now. It's it's less than 24 hours after Alabama just lost that that very bad game, and uh, we're going to see what's going to happen with the future of the program. But Alabama finished 18 and 16 this 2018-2019 uh, season, and uh, 
it was uh, it was an interesting one. You know, had some big wins, some big losses, um, some very significant losses, um, and those really outweigh the wins. But you know, they were. I'd say Alabama was in the regular season one or two wins away from making the tournament. They didn't get to that 20-win mark. I harped on that in an earlier podcast and on the radio about a month ago that Alabama in year four, Coach Johnson's year four, should have been at the point where they eclipsed the 20-win mark, uh, and in the regular season they never did. They have not done so in Coach Johnson's four years. Uh, And what will happen in the future, we do not know. Uh, We'll stay tuned, though, see what's going on in the media world. And uh, that news will be, if there's any news that happens with the Alabama men's basketball team, it will be coming, um, and I would imagine, you know, relatively soon in the next couple of weeks. But uh, as for now, Coach, Coach Johnson is the head coach of Alabama, and uh, the Tide finishes the season 18 and 16. So moving on to other Alabama athletics, um, a couple highlights here, the Wheelchair basketball team brought home two national championships this past weekend. On Saturday, the men's team uh, was the two seed in their in their draw, and they defeated the one seed Wisconsin Whitewater, seventy nine to seventy three, for their second straight championship um, and third championship overall. So, congratulations to the men's wheelchair basketball team on bringing home the national championship. And that other national championship was claimed by the women's wheelchair basketball team. They beat uh, University of Texas at Arlington, eighty two to sixty seven in overtime to avenge last year's national title game loss to the same team, UTA. Uh, so the women get the get the win on Saturday. The men get the win, and they bring home the hardware as two more national championships are brought back home to Tuscaloosa from the men's and women's wheelchair basketball teams. Uh, the softball team is currently 31-0. They're ranked number three on ESPN this weekend. They are headed to Texas A&M for a series um, against the Aggies. Coach Patrick Murphy yesterday in media availability was talking about how this series is big, even though Texas A&M isn't the best team in the conference, it's still a challenge, and his girls have got to get used to this new facility um, that Texas A&M just put in. They, Alabama hasn't played there. They've had success there in the past, but they haven't played there yet in this new, I think he said it was a $28 million facility, um, and he's very excited to go play in it, you know, see what a state-of-the-art facility in college softball looks like. Uh, but that will be uh, this weekend, Alabama traveling to College Station to take on the Texas A&M Aggies in softball. Again, the team is 31-0. and Coach Murphy said yesterday there wasn't a whole lot of pressure. Um, he feels more pressure on him uh, to keep that record than the girls. But at the end of the day, they want to play. They want to do their best. They want to be their best. Um, and right now, their best is at 31 and zero. So that's been very impressive. They won six games in Hawaii. They had a great experience there. He talked about that media availability. Um, next week, the softball team will host Georgia Tech at home on Wednesday at 6 p.m. And then next weekend, March 29th through 31st, the Crimson Tide will host Mississippi State here in Tuscaloosa um, for another weekend series in the SEC. The Alabama baseball team is 18 and 4 overall. They're 14 and 2 at home this past Tuesday. They got a win 16 to 0 over Maine. So that was a big win this weekend. Um, March, of course, March 22nd through the 24th. They've got a home series with a ranked Arkansas team. So I challenge everyone to come out to Sewell Thomas Stadium uh, and come out to the Joe for some Alabama baseball. It's going to be a good weekend. Arkansas is a very good team. And it'll be a great challenge for Alabama. See if they can get a a win or two or maybe three uh, this weekend against the Arkansas Razorbacks. 
First pitch on Saturday, excuse me, first pitch is on Friday. On Friday night is at 6 p.m. Saturday's first pitch is at 2 p.m. And Sunday's third game right now is scheduled for 1 p.m. weather pending. Uh, the baseball team will travel to Montgomery next week on Tuesday and face Auburn in the Riverwalk Classic um, in Montgomery. That is Tuesday the 26th. That's at 6 p.m. in Riverwalk Stadium in Montgomery. And then the baseball team will travel to Florida next weekend. Alabama football had their third spring practice yesterday. Uh, on Monday, after the team's second practice, Tua spoke to the media for the first time since the national championship loss to Clemson. He mentioned, he's talking about uh, Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian and saying that USC was his dream school. And uh, now that Steve Sarkeesian is back at Alabama, he feels very comfortable. Um, under his guidance, under uh, Steve Sarkeesian's guidance. And so uh, for all you Alabama fans out there that are worried about the football program, not sure, A, why you would be, um, but B, Tua is feeling comfortable, and so uh, you can you can rest easy this spring over knowing that your quarterback is comfortable as he was injured last spring, but he is um, manning the, the reins this off season, he's comfortable, he's healthy, and uh, he's really enjoying Steve Sarkeesian, so that's good. He also talked about uh, Talia, his younger brother, being here, and he discussed how uh, with Talia being here and Paul Tyson being here as well as Mac Jones, there's uh, there's plenty of competition and nothing's guaranteed, but we know that uh, Tua will be the starter and have great backups in Mac Jones, Paul Tyson, and his younger brother, Talia Tungavailoa. Um, he's got a, you know, he talked about how he's got to show up and work every day. So Tua Tungavailoa and Alabama football are three practices in this spring. Uh, pro day was on Tuesday. Bill Belichick came into town, and he wore one of Coach Saban's uh, nice red Alabama pullovers. And so that was interesting to see. He went to Georgia the next day and was not wearing a Georgia pullover. So we see that Belichick is obviously um, an Alabama fan at the college level. Uh, but Alabama had all 32 teams represented. I believe there were some uh, Alliance of American football teams there as well. There were eight NFL general managers, uh, as well as plenty of head coaches. As mentioned, Bill Belichick was in Tuscaloosa earlier this week. Guys did the normal pro day stuff. And, um, you know, at this point, with the top players in the draft, you know, people know who they want. People know what they want to see out of people. But this is an opportunity for some of those guys um, who may sign as free agents after the draft um, to be looked at by NFL teams and uh, maybe sign to their practice squad or um, be on their maybe on their team and, and, and get a uh, go from practice squad to being on the full roster. So we'll see. But pro day was earlier this week at Alabama. Spring football practice rolls on. Alabama's got some more practices coming up. The next one on the schedule. Again, there was one yesterday. The next one is Friday, and um, so be checking Twitter um, and the media world for updates from that Alabama football practice um, coming up on Friday. And to close out the podcast, we've got some news in the baseball world. Mike Trout signed a deal with the Angels for 12 years, extends his time with the Angels, 12 years, $430 million uh, to me. I should have learned how to hit a curveball. And even if I did learn, I wouldn't be able to make that much money because I wouldn't be able to get to the MLB. But uh, that truly stood out to me on Tuesday. The 12 years, $430 million. I mean, 
no athlete to me is worth that much money based off pure uh, their pure performance. But you know, what are you gonna do? Baseball, they've got more money than they know what to do with. Um, I think it comes out to like eight thousand dollars per out over the next twelve years, every out that he plays in a regular game, um, and that is that's absurd to me. I mean, that's so much money, and he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, maybe he should be worth that much after endorsements and, um, I don't know, 30 years of financing all his money. But, uh, I don't know, that's incredible that 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 contract was signed, you know, the biggest one in baseball by far. Um, Somewhere Bryce Harper is uh, is not too happy about his Phillies contract after seeing that Mike Trout got that 12 years, $430 million with the Angels. But anyways, that really does it here for... Episode 9 of the Galloway Podcast. Thanks again to Patrick Kime for coming on and talking about Auburn hoops. Um, This has been the March Madness episode where we talked about the SEC tournament. Uh, I gave you an unsolicited look at my bracket and talked about uh, who I think is going where. I really challenge everyone to tune in this weekend to all of the games uh, on the CBS and Turner family channel. of networks on TV. It's going to be basketball from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time all weekend. It's going to be great. There's going to be buzzer beaters, um, players you've never heard of, and 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 so much more. As a college basketball fan, you literally are in a utopian society for the next couple of days with this March Madness. So thanks again to Patrick Kahn for coming on. We talked about uh, Auburn basketball with Patrick. We talked about Alabama basketball and the end of the season that they had at Norfolk State on Wednesday. Went around the world of Alabama athletics. Wheelchair basketball wins two national championships. Uh, Talked about the softball team, the baseball team, spring football practice, and most recently Mike Trout's 12-year $430 million deal. So thanks again to you, the listener, for listening. I really appreciate you uh, sticking in there for these 45-ish minutes. And uh, thanks again to Patrick and everybody um, for making this episode possible. And uh, once again, just thank you for listening and taking your time. Please feel free to share this episode. And uh, going forward, we hope to have some more great guests like Patrick. And uh, just stay tuned because this March Madness tournament is going to be one for the ages. That's it for Episode 9 of the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.